Welcome. We are the Projectile Lunchcast, a group of friends with a combined professional video games industry experience of over 20 years. More importantly, we have collectively been discussing video games for close to a century, including during most of our lunch breaks. People forced to witness these arguments kept telling us to just get a room and make a podcast. So that's what we did. We don't think they had any idea what they were bargaining for, yet here we are. And we couldn't be more excited to have you, dear listener, join us on this adventure. My name is Marcel. I'm still stuck at home, but fortunately, I'm stuck at home with two of the finest guests you could have on your podcast. And by guests, I mean co-hosts slash founders slash friends. Richard. Yeah, I'm all of those. And uh, once, Basti. Hi, hi. Actually, we were thinking about getting Hideo Kojima on here, but then we thought, who is way more elusive and aware, like rarer creature to get in your podcast? And we settled on Basti instead. Exactly. Hideo Kojima is not a founder or a friend. Uh, he's definitely not my friend. No. He, he tried to get in contact with me for years now, but I'm just not answering. You think I'm I'm over here keying out? You think I'm asking Hideo to hang out with me? Nah, son. I got pride. Do you uh, ask Basti to hang out with you, though? Y- yeah, but you know, I'm too elusive. <laughs> the elusive Bastian. Um. Okay, so uh, I'm glad that we're all together again. The boys are back in town. And um, yeah, I think before we get to today's topic, uh, we, as usual, as honor and tradition demand, we must honor the uh, games that came out on this day in history. Uh, I have a eclectic selection this time for you, gentlemen. Eclectic. And I noticed a very interesting trend about April 30th. Okay. What's the trend? Because it seems back in the day, if you were looking to release an expansion pack for a classic PC game, there was exactly one day to go with, and that was April 30th. Interesting. And so throughout history on this day, we saw releases of expansions for Warcraft 2, Command and Conquer, yeah. Total Annihilation, and so far, so good so far, our real-time strategy episode from like a couple of weeks back, mm-hmm. uh, Incubation, uh, Baldur's Gate, like all of those games over over the course of three years had expansions and they all came out on April 30th. So that was very surprising to me. It's quite expansive. Uh, I, I, didn't, I didn't remember it like that at all. I want an incubation remake. That was a, uh, according to my brother, it's still one of the finest video games ever made and the best thing Ubisoft ever made, which he never fails to point out to me when he when we talk about my job. Incubation was an absolute blast of a game. I absolutely love that game. Is that the one with Elijah Wood? What? What? Wasn't there an Elijah Wood game? Transference? Trans- trans- yeah. Transference. Yeah. yeah. Is that that? What is wrong with you? Classic which, Elijah which Wood part PC of, game. Which part of classic PC game that came out between 1996 and 1999 made you think, uh, it's the one with um, uh, the Frodo guy, the VR one, yeah? Yeah, Elijah that Wood. That actually sounded more like Basti than you. Elijah oh. Wood is out there, you know, showing up to people's islands and being nice, you know, so I figured he'd He's be so nice. in, yeah. in other wonderful oh, things. But nope, I'm not stuck with supportive Elijah Wood. I'm stuck with you. Yeah. But also, I have some real games, and I think there may be some <laughs> that a few of two, a few of you may have played. So, a few more games that over the years came out on this day in history, April 30th. Uh, in 1997, from Shiny Entertainment and Dave Perry, uh, the original MDK. Fuck yeah. 
Ooh, fuck yeah. MDK was dope. I, I never played it. I only played from the Messiah, which was quite funny. A- MDK is fun. MDK is fun. MDK was a great game. Messiah was a mess, though. You're a mess, though. Like, like, seriously, you dress do, up you, as a baby? do you have like fond memories of Messiah? Because there was a game we were all waiting for years, and then when it came out, it was a clunky buggy. Not that, that game wasn't working at all. Richard, that, you want to put some money into the clunky, into the clunky? Um, stop you know, saying clunky. First of all, second of all, didn't MDK stand for Max Doctor Kurt? Very good. I was just about to ask you what they were called because I could only remembered Kurt. But good point. There was the Doctor and there was Max, the dog with the cigar. Also, anybody remember who made the sequel, MDK2? No. I barely Bioware. remember the sequel. Yeah. I... Yeah, he, yeah, he says without saying it before. Yeah, no. I... Um, so, I mean, okay, Basti, so I, I didn't have any emotional attachment to it. I, I just remember, like, one time when, when I bought a graphics card, it came with a a optimized version for whatever graphic chip there was at the time of Messiah. And I played it. I was like, this is kind of fun. It was, it was outrageously gory. Did you manage to 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 finish the first level though? Of course. Okay. I, I played a lot of that game. game. Was so full of weird puzzle and riddle games and so much like weird game design decisions. I don't know. Like that is literally the only only memory I have of, of, of Messiah. It's like I waited for that game. Was uh, buying every single uh, games magazine which had like which which covered Messiah. And then when it came out, I was incredibly disappointed and had a rough time with it. I mean. Um... When did that game come out? Uh, let me check. I mean, it came out in 2000. So by then I was 16. So yes, I had the mental capacity to finish the puzzles on the first level. And the free time. Was it really 2000? And the free time. Oh. That's what the internet says. And why would oh. the internet be wrong? You think people um, just go on also, the internet? Also 1997. So same day, X-Wing versus TIE Fighter. Oh, yeah. All right. Yeah. yeah. It's the one I played the least out of all of them. Um, because like in the, the initial release was mostly multiplayer and like some scenario stuff, but like later on they had a balance of power campaign, which was really good. I didn't play a ton of them either, but it seemed alright. Shit ton, shit ton. Yeah, it was really good. So, do you like X Wings or Tie Fighters? X Wings. Oh no! Yeah. I always liked that the rebel ships they had uh, shields. How come? Yeah, give me give me a classic standard as Tie Fighter without shields and just a laser, and then. Uh, Come with a stupid ass X Wing, I get ya. So what Take was the asteroid the, field map? It doesn't seem very balanced. Tried to catch me. That, mm. But the expansion was called Balance of Power, so it must be balanced. I guess the TIE fighters are just quicker and they make yeah. that noise. You wanna you wanna make that noise uh, for us, Richard? No, Marcel wants to make the TIE fighter noise. Um what do you sound like? No, I can't like uh, it's like it's very high pitched right? I cannot do that. Come on, give it a shot. No, it's like no, it's, it's, I can't do this. It's, it's not good. Nine ninety eight, Breath of Fire three by Capcom. Has one of you guys played this? This sounds like a Richard game. Oh, yeah, Breath of Fire is alright. Yeah. You said about every single fucking game. I so you're always like, well, I guess this game's alright. All right is is high praise for me. I haven't. I, there hasn't been this much sitting on a fence without saying anything concrete or or supportive or helpful since Matt has been with it's us. It's not sitting on the fence. Uh, Breath of Fire Three was all right. was was all right. I was I was for my PS One um, RPGs. I was probably doing a little more Sukoden, Sukoden, whatever the fuck is that. I learned that growing up is like Sukoden. Yeah, when when you grow up without being able to talk to people about video games, you just have your own pronunciations on everything. So it was like I'd hear a lot of like 
Suikoden. And then there's like Sukioden. And none of those seem right. You know what? I never got in the Sukoden series. It's fun. You and collect should, a. Yeah. You, you, it's the Pokemon of JRPGs. You turn off characters, right? Yeah. Doesn't. No. They they did the same thing um, in Chrono Cross, pretty much. I just remember that one of them was called Tierkreis, which I found interesting. The, the, J- Japan occasionally loves putting German in their shit, just to sound cool. Like in the forties. I, I almost I almost said something inappropriate, but then was I, it what I, I just know, said? <laughs> Let's just move on. Um. Then another classic. Uh, this one I think is one that Richard enjoyed maybe even. Um, 2008, a garbage truck simulator. I never played garbage truck simulator. Which was probably big in Germany, I have to assume. That was the boom of the simulator games, right? Like Goat Simulator, and then everything else was a simulator. There was after. Oh, I think like those were those. Goat Simulator must have been after 2008, right? Yeah, Yeah, that was later. When was farm? When was Farming Simulator? Like the first Farming Simulator. I don't know, but they just announced that this month's, or oh, sorry, May's uh, games with uh, PlayStation Plus are City Skylines and Farming Simulator 2019. So if you're curious about um, Germany's weird obsession with farming simulators, now is your chance. I am not, um, but, uh, but City Skylines is kind of fun. I mean, you know, ever since ever since SimCity, you know, did what it did, sell like a million copies at launch. That's that's obviously what I'm talking about. Because that's what I remembered. Ah, first first farming simulator is listed as farming simulator 2008. Yeah, it's been around for a while, and they sell outrageously well every year. They do, they do. Sometimes even outside of Germany. Esports and all that good stuff. And that game is, in comparison to what they make uh, regarding sales, not very expensive to make. They're good farmers. I wish I could say the same about you and Destiny 2. Anyways, I have one last game here, and finally it's one that... uh, well, I personally uh, have fond memories of because I have all the achievements in it. And that is in 2013, Far Cry 3 Blood Dragon. With, uh, what was the main character's name? Cold what? Michael Cold Bane. Cold? That's not how you pronounce his name, first of all. Michael it's Bean? Bean? It's Bean. Obviously, yes. should be Bane. Richard, you're American. You should know how to pronounce his name. I fucking always said Bane. See, that's the thing. Like, I didn't grow up in an extensive Michael Bean community. And, like, how? it's spelled... It's spelled like you could get away with with putting a little a little lilt on it, you know. Michael Bain, Michel Michel Bain. Definitely, you you definitely don't come from the same area as the creative director of Far Cry Three: Blood Dragon. Because one thing that, for whatever reason, I still remember fondly to this day is that um, Ubisoft output out a official trailer where the game's creative director um, talked to Michael Bean. And he told him that uh, he was very different from all the other burly action heroes that he masturbated to in the '80s. And the reaction face is priceless, and they put that in the game's trailer. That's so. If you've never seen that, I recommend checking it out. That's that's a bright spot. Ah, uh, yeah. I don't know. It was alright. It was it, a bright it spot was, in Michael Bean's history. It like was notice the difference between like it was alright, and like what I thought of Blood Dragon, which was it was alright. See, those are two wildly different reviews. So, what, what is better? It was alright. Is better than uh, it was alright. I'm confused. Blood Dragon, Blood Dragon almost. I didn't think that for as short as that game was, it was gonna wear out as welcome, but it it did. Yeah, I mean, seriously. Yeah. I I, I, th- I for me like the the pacing, the length, etc. was was uh, almost perfect. It's like 
four minutes of Kung Fury is a lot better than half an hour of Kung Fury. I'm with you on that one. It's the same, same fucking thing. Like the, the hyper eighties, uh, what do do they call the music? The new wave or new, new retro wave. Yeah. Like that, that stuff, it gets, it gets super old to me super quick. That's just me though. I mean, fuck. I think Blood Dragon was pretty positively received. Unlike you, so what does that say? You're just going to be doing this the whole time? It's all like, oh, you like that. Unlike you, I don't like you. Nah, and then you run away. Like with your... With except your, I'm, except you I'm drop, running away because I'm, I'm self-isolating at home. You run away and you drop all your school books. Nah. He probably locks himself in the bathroom, though. Anyways, no. Look, I, I'm I'm trying to be constructive here. I'm in a good mood because <laughs> no, I'm obviously. Um, <laughs> what? Yes, I am in a good mood. Yeah, no, but you're not trying to be constructive. Yeah, I am trying to be constructive. I'm in a good mood because uh, obviously uh, today uh, the, the next entry in uh, one of my all-time favorite um, video gaming franchises has been revealed, and that makes Farming me happy. Farming Simulator. So I'm trying to be. No. What? Why would they put Vikings in Farming Simulator? Because Germans love Vikings dope. and Germans love farming. That would be fucking dope. Like some dude's just yeah. going down on his field like in a combine and then like over the hill, just a band of Vikings pillaging I for mean, fucking how, how grain. How the hell do you think they do farming up in Sweden or Norway? They just they pillage. You got to plant well, your lutefisk. Like, even then, like somebody has to do the farming. Like even if you go and, you know, pillage the neighboring town, still somebody must be there farming. Cause, yeah. You know, it's no the farming, new, no pillaging. The it's, new PvE, PvPVE meta of Farming Simulator, Vikings. Uh, you, you're laughing now, but back in the day before they actually had um, the esports mode, I once saw a video of somebody who came up with his like own homebrew idea of doing uh, esports or PvP in Farm Simulator. Mm-hmm. It was a narrow bridge that from two sides, two, two tractors drove on, trying to push each other off the bridge into the water. And while they did that, Manowars... Um, uh, Bridge of Death was playing, and I was like, "This is epic as fuck." That is that is kind of brilliant. I I want to make this trailer now. It would just be like two minutes of really calm farming, and then at the end, just a shitload of violent pillaging. Now the the actual serious uh, esport mode looks so incredibly complicated and weird. What with Vikings? Huh? No. Yeah, Vikings. I, we checked out. We checked out a little bit of. Uh, we checked out a little bit of um, the Farming Simulator esports at Gamescom last year, mm-hmm. and it was it was definitely interesting. Like, no, I'm not saying that it's it's for me, but it was interesting. Uh, but it was definitely yeah. like there there are things that I would have been less interested in watching, like video game things, <laughs> like like Evo or some shit. I don't know. Ah, oh, Evo's um, fun. But anyways, you know, now that we praised um, Assassin's Creed and noted that nothing we've ever said on this podcast is true, but everything is per- almost everything is permitted. Basti, what would you like to talk about today? Yeah, as we talked about like big reveals of uh, big franchise uh, franchise titles like Assassin's Creed, one topic which is always um, kind of like of a hot topic when people and gamers like to discuss out there is how the costs of video game making, and especially the modern times where Video games sell a shit ton of copies while still you have a lot of situations or scenarios where it's not enough to to recoup the investment. And today I would like to talk with you about 
basically the medium tier games or the single A games or whatever you want to call it uh, and compared to big huge games like Red Dead 2 or Borderlands who costs uh, hundreds of millions in total and uh, what might be the future because our best game of 2019 was Control Sekiro. Control in fact Sekiro <laughs> Control in fact was actually not that expensive I think it has like uh, they remedy said uh, roughly around twenty to thirty million production costs, which is, to be honest, in the AAA market, it's really nowadays. fucking good. Yeah, and well, yeah, are, are they? Are, but are they counting just dev cost, or are they counting uh, marketing budget in that as so well? So that is that is sometimes a little bit rough to tell. Yeah. Um, because when you when you dig through numbers, as an example, you hear numbers like uh, Modern Warfare. Three was uh, like two hundred forty million or something, and I'm hundred percent certain that is to to not a to a big part thanks to a huge marketing campaign, mm. because you you get other numbers yeah. where it's like oh yeah it's supposed to be a bit over hundred million. So I mean so, that's that 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 should that should absolutely be uh be included in it. I mean budgetary stuff is is weird in entertainment anyway, because uh, because movies movies do the same thing to the best of my knowledge. They yeah. they tell you their production cost and they don't tell you the marketing. Well, well cost. it depends, but like with yeah. with there they usually it's specified. Like they talk yeah. about, you know, it's this much and out of that this much was spent on a marketing or so. All so right. I think with with movies it's like a little bit more transparently communicated usually. Yeah, when when it when it's able to, um, I mean we we don't we're, we're not we're not doing the discussion about how the term AAA is fucking stupid. Yeah, it's great. It's so do this fucking. Dumb. I think we had it also in the past in a previous episode. Yeah, just go back to that episode. If I didn't say it was dumb back then, remind me because that shit's dumb. I love it. I bet you do. But um, the the only thing I wanted to. Uh, to uh, maybe touch on for for later as it comes up is that um, oftentimes in in these numbers marketing might not be reported and uh, if you're talking about how yeah. the the difference between uh, big budget and smaller budget games are it is it is how they're marketing how, how they're marketed and how that factors into their costs because it's a big old deal yeah uh, but if you're curious like because especially with the with the topic matter that people say oh games getting more and more expensive I have uh, some interesting number for you uh, numbers for you guys I love about numbers. the average production costs for video games uh, depending on the console generation and these are numbers from EA and Ubisoft official numbers which they discussed in financial breakdowns in the past yeah and i think that is rather interesting because we throw some rather large numbers here into the pot and to to put that into perspective yeah as an example, um, <coughs> EA said that, PS, uh, that in the Xbox, GameCube, and uh, PS2 generation, the production cost of a game was roughly an average between 3 to 5 million. That's nothing. While in the 360 and PS3 era, it was roughly around 12 to 18 million development costs for a game. Which is, and I think it's safe to say that nowadays it's probably at least 40 plus million for the most really big games. Like if you're under 40 million, you'll probably fall into that mid-tier we want to discuss today. Uh, crazy. Isn't that fucking completely bizarre how like if you hear a movie costs 200 million, you're like, yeah, makes sense. And you hear a game costs 50 million, you're like, what? Yeah. I, th- I think what is really a bit weird about that and also like a bit um, hypocritical, you know, when people complain, like as we sometimes see that games are so too expensive or something, um, when at the same time, like, you know, out, out of the cost that like a, a movie costs, you know, 
if you take away like the outrageous salaries that like a handful of actors or the director get, you know, like it's not that much more left in a game, right? It's right. like it's that's the thing really with movies, like the the a ton of that. You know, like I mean, what what is it that what did um what did Robert Downey Jr. make for like the last couple? Was it fifty million? Was it seventy million per movie for the last Avengers movie? That would be fucking insane. There's no way seventy million I, per I will, movie. I will I will I will I will yeah. check it out. Yeah, and, please. Uh, you guys... That that's that's it. That's that's fucking nuts. I mean, if you told me like, hey, like for for the last four, three or four, three to five pictures that that RDJ did, like he pulled in fifty to seventy for that, I could see that. But per fucking film, like that is bizarre. That is bizarre. But no thing. But no thing about. Okay, so uh, I checked it out. Um, his I think his standard salary was twenty million, yeah, and then sure, bonuses yeah. came to seventy five million. That yeah. So bo- bonuses game. being that that he's he's a he became a producer on that stuff, right? I don't know, but like you know, just know. like to put it into context, like just for for Robert Downey Jr.'s salary from from mm, uh, uh, yeah. like the money he made, you could make two triple A games, two well, to three even. So. That 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 is a good uh, good way to put it in perspective, but um, in in terms of like the varying cost, but it's also like let's not let's not uh, get confused if like I'm sure he got some back end shit on that. Like I, I don't know if he was getting paid uh, in terms of like being upfront or it was like, Hey, here's my, here's my 20 mil to show up. And I want a certain percentage of sales. Cause I, I wouldn't be surprised if, uh, if a few of those had those, those nice to deals. Be honest, worked like in. what was really just important for me with the comparison was to bring up Robert Downey Jr. And Iron Man. Y- yes. I, I know, I know that. Um, and now the audience knows that too, but, uh, no, but, but um, go, going back to what Basti initially said, because I think like Basti made a very good point, you know, um, yeah. when when he when he started talking about numbers, um, uh, it's it's something like that that has to be said sometimes because I think a lot of people still have no clue, you know, even, and it's it's very interesting to me to see people who even, um, you know, like actively follow gaming news to the to the point where they, they engage in, on gaming forums, they they talk about so on social media about games and stuff. But I once did it as an experiment on on the last game I worked on, where I asked some of the people in community, hey, you know, ballpark, what do you think a game like ours costs? And you know, there were things like, uh, yeah, yeah, maybe you know, like a couple hundred thousand or something, or yeah, like, yeah, like you know, like thousands of euros or something. Like, no, that is at that point, like if you think that a a game um, where a hundred people work on for three years costs like a couple hundred thousand, then maybe I can see why they think that. Game development companies are greedy, you know, with stuff like DLC and microtransactions. Oh yeah, yeah, like because their um, profits are so large. Obviously, you know that is uh, that is uh, way way underestimated. I think that is maybe, yeah, uh, yeah like one of the disconnects um, where a lot of people, and then once they realize how much this stuff, and I, it, like it was for example for me personally, like when I started working in video games for a while, you know, for my dad, it was like. It was not the realest of jobs, right? Like, I think he was always hoping I would become a doctor or some shit. Maybe it's a cultural thing. And, um, you know, then once once he learned more, like, saw you know, some of the numbers involved, it was like, oh, this is this is like a real job. You know, like, this is real money, you know, that, that that's going around in this industry. It's not just people sitting in basements. And I think that is still, like, this weird misconception a lot of people yeah. have. And I think, like, even a lot of politicians, like, you notice, like... Um, a lot of politicians used to be or still are down on video games, but right. once they realize, oh, it's not just five nerds sitting in a basement or in a garage; it's like hundreds of hundreds of you know, well, well-paid and like uh, tax-paying professionals doing these games. It was like, oh, this is suddenly way more interesting for me as a politician. Stuff like that. Yeah, it does. It does get a little weird, um, in the in the sense that, 
that that people do have a disconnect on that. But I mean, also like like I do I do we do tend to compare uh, the the game and film industries together because I mean those are those are your two large entertainment mediums. But I mean like you don't have the same dedication to uh, the reported budget standards in games exactly. as you do in in movies. You know, like if so, if somebody could Google how much a movie costs and that, that there's a number that pops up, but uh, but doing the same for for anything other than the the blockiest of blockbusters, it, it's harder to do. No, you mean for for movies? That's exactly uh, that's right. For movies, you get basically for every single movie, at least like bigger movie, you get the production cost and then the box office and the first uh, week sales and the first month sales, whatever. But with games, that is way harder to 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 get numbers of the actual production costs. And sometimes they say how many units they sold, maybe in a month or a week or whatever. But not always. Um, some companies are rather open with their financial reports, while others not. It's weird. While in in movies, it's basically standard that you can get easily the production costs and then the 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 revenue of, of a movie. I mean, it's it's coming a little more more into. Um... I mean, like, like uh, to be fair, like with with movies, uh, they don't necessarily talk about the revenue. Like they talk about the box office gain, you know, which is different. I think, like yeah. the, I think the, the the general rough rule of thumb is that a movie has to make twice as much as its budget in at the box office to break even, because you know, like obviously in the box office, taking you know, all the stuff, like all the money it goes to, yeah. to distributors, to the cinema, whatever is included. So I think that is a rough rule of thumb, and I think that is also something that is harder with the games industry for people maybe to, um, you know, to to get a feeling for, because a lot of people still have this weird idea like if you sell a game for six euros, then you get six euros from that. Yeah, I mean, well, it, it's it's just it's interesting to compare that because like, like so much of of how that that industry sprang up in forums on us and, and so much about how, how the games are marketed are informed on us. Like, uh, like the, the, the interesting thing about the box office sales is that like for a movie in the earlier days of, of, um, airing the, the, uh, film company gets a higher slant of that than the, um, than the, uh, theater does, you know? So it's like, it's like, that's where the marketing goes from their side because they want you there early even if it's going to be in theaters for two to three weeks they're losing money for every day that you see that late and so like i wonder how much of that is really pushed into like that that first day sales of video games where it doesn't fucking really matter that much but you know a lot of this stuff has has been brought up upon creating that moment creating hype for that one moment that uh that it does kind of translate over I would say for games or for most especially AAA games uh, especially the, the first week sales are very very important if you're like an indie game or more niche title, maybe not. Then you have a long tail. But I think for when also when it comes to marketing and how much like think about the like the stupidly large marketing campaigns for games like Borderlands Three as an example, um, yeah. you want to have that sweet one week uh, sales. Yeah, yeah, get an idea. How, also, especially how if you're if you're put, if you're paying for commercials on TV. Yeah, which is which is the only time my parents write me about video games. But talking about talking about high budget, I mean, we, it's, it's safe to say that that games getting closer and closer to the production budget of uh, Hollywood movies. Some some and eclipse it, true. Yeah, what, what was what, 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 an example? Yeah, well, well what 140 was forty million budget? <laughs> How about um, five million units in five days? Yeah. Still behind expectations. That's that that's fucking nuts to me. Uh, we we always have that conversation about uh, about Square when Square was talking about its Western devs. 
where they're they're hitting they're hitting four or five million sold and they're like ah, still under. It's like you you fucked up at that point. Like um like people can predict that like like a game selling a game selling five six million is is such an achievement. I mean, but, uh, I tend to agree, but you have stories like Alien Isolation as an example, where the the press and YouTubers and everyone was like open up in arms when they said they they sold over like one to one point two million, I think, in the first six months, two million copies in total. Mm-hmm. And then they said, okay, this this game is basically a flop, right? Yeah, it's way way beyond expectations we had. Right. And then people were like, how can it be that we live in a world where two million copies sold is 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 a flop? How crazy is that? I mean, that that is basic math. If you sure. say that. 60, 60 bucks uh, 60 bucks for uh, the copy and then which is very very vague but you say uh, um 50% cut for retail and taxes etc then you can yeah. put that in a calculator and see how many units you need to sell to recoup uh, the probably 30 40 50 million budget of alien isolation plus it's not only about getting break even you want to make profit because you cannot work as a company if you're not making profit right right i mean it always comes as a, as a slap but i i do think there's still a difference between 1.2 mil and i mean what was what was uh tomb raider pushing when they when they said it wasn't great five six i think it was five or six yeah like that's insane um but i mean you want to talk about budgets uh Mar- marcel what was the reported budget for destiny uh, I think like the original, like the contract volume was like 500 million or something. That's right. But that was, I mean, uh, so like obviously that is a thing that was also sometimes a bit annoying. Because it was compounded of a lot of things, right? Exactly. Like people obviously like, and, and you know, I, I don't just blame gamers and press. Obviously also companies, you know, love to throw around big numbers. Mm. Um, so yeah, everywhere, if you ask people what, what did Destiny cost, they will say 500 million. Right. And um that uh, included, I think, both the marketing and and I don't even it know did. if it was just like for the first game. It was definitely also the what were they called like the 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 tiger and the comet expansions or whatever. No, like wait, tiger was the new games. I think the comets were the expansions. Yeah. That they what it, what they called them. The so it was like not just for that one game. It was for more stuff. It was for marketing. I think it was also you know, like a ton of stuff that maybe people don't consider. You're like obviously setting up an infrastructure for like an online game or yeah, something. Exactly, like so they're yes, establishing the a franchise development of that game did not cost 500 million. But I think that is also a, a question that um, a lot of people struggle with. You know, like what really, what does what does your development budget mean? You're like what what is the cost? Like I think a lot of people don't realize that. Um, well, I mean, but, but we're also... I remember back in the day, you know, um, also, you know, when I started like caring about this stuff and I didn't really have much clue yet, um, there was like this weird idea going around that I you know, was probably also guilty of. Of well, you know, if you use your own engine, then you barely have any costs, right? Because <laughs> you know you don't have to pay like licensing for an engine, right? Yeah. But obviously, you know, the, by far and away, the most important, uh, so the most expensive part is is the salaries, right? Like, and uh, if you look at you know, like uh, AAA games these days, uh, when you have like a couple hundred people, I think like um, obviously you know, everything from voice actors etc goes into that but i think like the credits of the latest rockstar games list over a thousand people who were involved yeah. in the creation of a game yeah sure um and you know and i, th- I mean i think there's again you know it's it's ballpark numbers i think the the rule of thumb that is applied in the us usually is that on average obviously you have huge discrepancies between a a, a junior member of the team and an executive producer or something but like as a rule of thumb in the us you say uh, Per developer per month, uh, ten thousand dollars. That's right. salaries, you know. That's soft stuff like software licenses, you right. know, uh, workplace, etc. All of that. And of course, if you know, if you take a, a team of a couple hundred people and you say each one of them on average costs ten thousand dollars a month, 
then that's a very expensive month. You know, mm-hmm. that's right. obviously, and you know, that's also one of the funny things that Busty and I we we discussed a couple of times when the last game that we worked on was delayed a little bit, uh, just you know, for a couple of weeks. And there were a lot of people in the community. Hey, you know, I'm totally fine. You know, anyway, you had those people in the community saying, you know, as far as I'm concerned, it's also fine if you delay the game by a year. Just take your make everything perfect. And Busty and I were joking that you know, it's very gracious to say that we can delay the game for a year. Uh, obviously, people do not take into considerations with stuff like that, that, you know, um, a, a game delay costs you a lot of money, potentially, especially, sure, again, like sure, with a Triple sure. team where you have hundreds of people working during that time. That's very costly. Yeah, but I think you're you're rubbing up against a couple of things there. That's kind of weird. I mean, you know, uh, people have been, have been uh, kind of groomed to understand that a delay means that you're not going to push out a piece of shit. And at the end of the day, I mean, we are in an industry where we are offering a product. And I think it's easy to say, Oh well, we you know we wanted to you know really make this game good, but we had to push that out because of a budget. I mean that's that's one of the weird things you're rubbing into. But I, I think uh, what I was getting at with the Destiny thing, and the and the 500 million is, I mean we talk about however many A's, and one of the, one of the many, and there are many fucking reasons why I don't like the whole AAA conversation yeah. or or naming convention is like this all gets bigger. It gets bigger with movies and it's going to get bigger with games too. I mean, the Destiny's 500 million thing was to, in their own words, start a franchise. And that that's where they're going any, nowadays. It's not, we're not trying to make the, uh, the, the game, the, the World of Warcraft that has, you know, uh, 20 million subscribers for 10 years. You know, it's, it's, we want that franchise. We want that stick around for the series of games. We, we want that Marvel that Marvel movie magic to happen to more than one company. So they'll, they'll get bigger. And I think as that, as that, uh, that happens for another, uh, a number of other things that we'll get into, I'm sure um, your, your medium range or indie games will get bigger in different ways as well. So I think, uh, I think when, when you throw around numbers and when people talk about numbers, uh, it's, it's, it's a good to also consider the time, the time frame of that and like what they were doing and, where games were at that point, um, because you we're going to get to a point where it's it's going to be half a million budgets like nothing. It's going to be you know because oh we're we're not just setting up the game, we're setting up the transmedia, we're setting up the uh, the season pass, uh, the the retention mechanics. You know those will all become more standard than they were in the days of your you know your sixty dollar box copy, right? Exactly. So I, mean, busty, I, think, I think we discussed it in the past, uh, the, the, the idea uh, when we had the 60, 60 bucks were not enough anymore because uh, video game production became more expensive. Then uh, the industry came up with the ideas like Season Pass, which was roughly then 80 to 85. And then with expansion and maybe a second Season Pass, roughly 100. I, I think mean, it's but, safe to say yeah. that you, want, you, will, you would like to have like 100 bucks for a game, but nobody will pay 100 bucks for a game. So you come up with ideas how to 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 uh, work against that inflation i mean it's it's also it's also the fact that like nowadays i think uh i think the industry is getting more of a handle on how to make even more money off of your retention loop than they would from yeah. from a, a set price up front you know what i mean so it's like yeah. it's like yeah you, you don't see the massive resistance because there were there were times when games were priced differently and i'm sure that if some company you know if rockstar was like hey you know fuck you uh gta 6 is 80 bucks you're gonna fucking buy it. They'll fucking buy it. Um, but uh, I mean, everyone on this planet has probably bought uh, GTA Five twice. Right. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, it, you know, if it if it suddenly becomes cheaper than the in-game currency that you're gonna buy anyway, uh, for for a lot of people, okay. that'll that'll boost your sales. But what I'm saying is like, 
is I mean I think I think you'll see they'll they'll be a lot more comfortable with selling you something up front for 60 bucks because they know that they can keep going and that's another part of your however many A's you want to tack onto it I, I, the point I'm trying to make is that like the the blockbuster game you know um, I think I think the the dying breed isn't big games like God of War I think the the what you'll see as more of a dying breed is a game like God of War that comes out doesn't have anything on the tail end of it. And it's yeah. just, it's just, here's your game. Like we're done. Uh, see you when this has a two on the box. Like, I think it's, it's going to be um, a lot more retention focused and a lot more. I, I don't want uh, I don't want a video game player. I want a, a name of the game player. You know what I mean? For, for, for the big blockbusters. But yeah. if we, if we take away a few of the A's or if we go away from the incredibly like, it's like, huge it, budgets. It's like, I, I, I set my jaw every time you say it. Like, I'm just like, Argh! Yeah. Uh, did, did you know that A's. like statistically every time you take one of the a's away like my arouse lessens by roughly 20 percent that's true because they don't nice. they don't uh they don't hook the hype in the form of marketing straight up to your veins you've got to rely on that other thing that thing you hate word of mouth quality oh yeah let's go back let's go back to to our favorite game of 2019 Sekiro. fuck yeah um dude richard this is getting older example um they said they said themselves, as I mentioned previously, that the budget was roughly between 20 and 30 millions. I think that yeah. is probably because they calculate uh, some marketing overhead costs, etc. Sure. They sold over 10 million worldwide. Mm -hmm. That is a huge success. Oh, really? Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. I, did, I, 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 didn't, I wouldn't have thought I'd have sold that. Well, that's great. That's actually really that's really heartening to hear. They, they, how they much how much did the sales improve, Busty? Ever since they they started promoting it with the projector launch cast game of the year twenty nineteen tech. Tons. Yeah. Tons. Yeah. Yeah. Not surprising. A couple of millions. Couple of millions. The numbers uh, are still coming in. We're right we're now. we're on the back of the box, just really small, and it's like two thirds of the projectile launch cast game of the year. And I, I think the the one game which which started the kind of like discussions from gaming communities up to GDC talks, etc., when we started to to think about like the, these medium uh, budgeted games and the success of that, like smaller games, sometimes even for a smaller price. In that case, was a Hellblade: Sinua's Sacrifice, which uh, said, "Okay, we're making a smaller game, less budget, very confined game. We want to exactly tell a story of game mechanics for that game, not." tagging season pass or anything onto that uh selling it for a smaller price and that was also like a big success i think the initial price correct me if i'm wrong was like 40 bucks or was it even less uh, which game are we talking about now? uh hellblade uh could have been only 30 i think yeah i thought, I thought I wanted most it was 40 yeah. I'm, I'm not sure it could be uh I mean, at like first it was it was on ps2 right initially only it was a ps3 hellblade was uh was was yeah. 30 so that game had a budget of 10 million yeah and sold uh, roughly over 1 million after one year and i bet this game had a pretty long tail when it comes to sales it must be it picked up a sequel right yeah yeah and uh, they got picked up by microsoft uh, that's that's another that's another goal these guys no, I mean, I mean those those. Do I uh, have to say, may I quickly? Sorry to interrupt you, Richard. Yeah. Um, one thing that I always found a little bit annoying, like because you know, I saw a lot of people praising this, like, oh, you know, Hellblade, you know, they're not doing the triple A, like anything. I was always a bit annoyed with that, with those claims, because you know, for a while it felt like you could not watch any um any big gaming show without Hellblade being on stage somewhere, you know, which is 
just calling that or pretending that's just like you know like something like a normal indie studio could do or something that that felt like a bit disingenuous to me because like they were like epic's showpiece for for performance capture in unreal and obviously epic you know as we as we all learned they have they happened to found like a few few spare dollars somewhere on the couch and you know, I mean, they pushed him heavily at every show. So like, oh, I always find it a bit weird when people do this. Oh, you know, it's just like indie marketing, which it, it was like, you know, a, a team size and everything. It was very indie, but like the marketing, you know, like from the big shows and everything. Well, that was, let that me was ask you that. I mean, there's, there, there's, there's a difference because like marketing at, at marketing to gamers is different than a full blown um, TV push marketing campaign. Like, like uh, recently, my father, bless him, asked me if Final Fantasy was the one with Link because he was seeing commercials <laughs> for for FF7 remake. Like, like there's a different kind of marketing um, when you when you're talking about pushing stuff at a show. I agree with you 100% that that's not something that 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 um, any indie can do. Um, but but I there there has there, that it, is yeah, a different type any, of campaign, right? Was there any mainstream campaign towards like just your average Joe uh, gamer? I, I like would. I, I'm. Goes I'm. To a Best Buy and buys a game. Was there something like? Well, like I mean, even games? that. Even that's a different thing. You know what I mean? Like I'm talking like there. There is. There is a different tier of marketing, um, which you're breaking into when you're doing the, the Grand Theft Auto, um, uh, giant signs everywhere. You know, uh, commercials on fucking Jeopardy. You know what I mean? Or like during NCIS reruns. Then there is running something in a Best Buy electronic section or running something on stage in a game show. I mean, that's. That's uh, that's a fully different different campaign. I agree. I agree with Richard here. Uh, I'm well. I, I wasn't disagreeing with Marcel. No, um, it was yeah, just like I'm, sure, that's yeah. right. But just as I'm saying, like you know, being being pushed on the stage of every game right. event, event for like two years, that is not something yeah a, a normal indie could even dream of. Right. You're not gonna launch. I mean, the normal indies are sitting there dreaming of Devolver to put a label on their game. It's you know they're they're getting into they're getting more into the the record company uh, stuff, which was. Which was also something Epic was doing recently too, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like so. So I mean, that that that's that's kind of that's kind of what I'm saying is like there's for when you take the the uh, the the tiers down when you're not doing the the end all be all blockbuster summer summer video game like they are expanding into they're they're, ta- they're they're expanding into ways to spend their fewer marketing dollars better and they're hoping for for the other tools that are that are uh, screaming up. So I mean, it's like it's like uh, we were talking about this briefly um, with the with the Valorant stuff. You take a game like like Escape from Tarkov, you know, and that's that is a Twitch vehicle essentially. Um, yeah. Like like that game got big because uh, FPS like core FPS shooters uh, were going to stream that, and that's that's a ton of uh, a ton of exposure. Um, I also told the anecdote about how they they just bought a uh, media share on on a on a couple large streamers, which I thought was hilarious. Like they'll 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 try to be smarter about that. It's really about publicizing your uh, like like um here's here's a good example. Like you look at uh, Humble Bundle, right? Like Humble Bundle will put their their Steam user reviews on every game uh, that they're that they're pushing in part of their bundles. You know, it's like oh this is very positive on Steam, right? Right, like a sticker yeah. on the box. You know, so they're they're looking to to kind of market the grassroots that they've already got. You know, for people that are looking for games, you know, it's it's not. I don't want everybody. I don't want everybody who's never heard of video games to see this. I, I'm marketing to the gaming audience, and that's something that I don't see in a lot of other other places like that. The question is, the question is, in a world where I mean, since uh, as an example, like uh, since 
Hellblade or um, like people started talking about like medium-sized games and I was I was thinking okay like what is the future of gaming is it maybe like more healthy I, I believe so but is it would it you be hope more, so. more healthy and better I hope so if we would have more medium-sized games it would go away a little bit from the from the um huge uh, blockbuster titles but then I realized the thing while a lot of people like talk about that topic matter as like they would talk about the future of our industry yeah. in fact there is a shit ton of medium-sized games out there sure like uh, if you think about it focus home interactive um th um, actually Nordic. sorry basti um to interrupt you uh Focu. fucking what what no it's a french like they they are like uh they officially their name is Focu home entertainment Focu. Well, fuck Focu. them uh oh Focu, we Home Sorry, I just like I just felt like you know, as as the local branding representative, if I had to chime in here, because um, I remember like the first time it was like at some event where like whenever like they were mentioning it was like you know Foku and I was like, this will take fuck? a lot of getting used to for me. Holy shit! <laughs> oh, I wasn't aware of that. But yeah, you have like uh, Foku Home Entertainment, Very and um, you have um, especially THQ Nordic. Yeah. Which is basically a huge ass portfolio of medium sized games, and I think it works for them because they know the risk is fairly small. They have a bright portfolio. Games are not that expensive, and even if one fails, probably the other one can 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 recoup that. It's a little yeah. bit like in in um, the, the movie industry, horror movies is the most like uh, uh, yeah, like bu- budget to profit. Horror. Yeah, exactly. Which they, is not the case for video games, though. But no, no, because it's a lot harder to do. Uh, the kind of horror that you can with a camera when people can look around, but uh, but no, I mean like like I I think that there's the the future will come with expanding and all that. Like I'm looking at the uh, the the top selling on Steam right now, um, and uh, I I didn't do global, so I hope it's not that much different. But uh, there there is always a a pretty decent mix on there. I mean aside from your your Borderlands three, which is selling really well because it's currently half off, um, and your your new your new kind of Ten dollar XCOM experiment is on there. That's kind of interesting, you know. Like I don't know. Only what the bu- one more day left, though. Yeah, but still, I mean that that's exactly what we're talking about, right? Is like is like they're they're finding new ways to get these these games in front of people because that's really what it's all about. It's finding a niche to find eyeballs for yeah. your video game. Uh, also interesting on there is Mountain Blade. Like that's 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 got zero marketing that I've seen. Yeah. Um, no, there's, there's, I think that there, there's no marketing, real marketing campaign whatsoever. I, I was reading about somebody that was I very. Mean, the, I, I think they are, for example, every year at the PC gaming show E3 or something. Yeah, but still, I mean, again, like that's that's a weird kind of kind of marketing, right? Like, but no, I mean, I guess well, that counts, right? Because yeah, yeah, there's marketing. Yeah, I'm not saying that. Um, but I, I I'm saying that they might claim that they're not doing a, uh, a media buy. They're not putting ads on websites. They're not doing yeah, kind no, of traditional expense, stuff. Marcel's got a great point because it is about... Thank you. You have to... Shut up. You have to classify this stuff as marketing nowadays because there's there's a lot of... I don't want to say astroturfing because that's really, that's really kind of an evil term, but there is a lot of things that are not... Like if, if your idea of marketing is an ad on GameSpot a, a 30 second in front of a YouTube trailer or, or anything like that. You like, you have to start thinking a little differently. Like showing up at E3 is a thing. Um, the, 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 the interesting thing on here is also a little game called cloud punk, uh, which is just like a, uh, top, it's top, top 10, uh, sales right now that I can see. Oh, okay. Um, 
But this is a game that started out as like as like some dude's game idea on Reddit. You know, like uh, like there are there are different ways to to get exposed now. And um, yeah, I guess, I guess my takeaway on that is that like if you're gonna look at weird A's and and weird um classifications of what a tier of game is, you have to really look at the marketing and how they're getting that game in front of eyeballs because there's more ways than ever now uh, for people to find video games. And uh, whenever there is a way to find video games, there's some sleazy marketing fucker like Marcel ready to pimp that shit out to them. You know what I mean? I hope he's I mean, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm happy to <laughs> pimp out anything to anyone. By the way, Richard, what's your address again? Yes, uh, you're late on your payment. Um, yeah, so that's my that's my kind of takeaway on that. No, I mean, like, uh, I, I was, I, I was obviously waiting to for Basti to say focus, so I could correct him about the name. Yeah. But also, I think for me, yeah, I think focus is really like the like when when Basti. Like, I'm gonna know, still say focus. Like he wants I don't to care. talk about like this this mid tier thing. Um, they are really the first company that came to mind to me because right. I think like they really perfected this idea of um. And I think that is also uh, it, it ties into one of my major pet peeves with. Uh, gamers, but also frequently with gaming media and influencers, where we, we have this very weird binary thinking of like, you know, either you're League of Legends, either you're the number one in your genre, gamers of yeah. But I think like this this company is a perfect example of like, you know, uh, having a modest success because, you know, they have obviously much smaller budgets than other games. Um, they spend way less on marketing. But I think they're really, really good at, you know, like identifying the niches for their games and catering to those niches. And I think that is, you know, that is for for that kind of company, it's a perfect business model that I think they, they seem to be doing really, really well with. You know, like if you find the right people who want this kind of experience, uh, who are, you know, happy enough that this kind of experience exists so they don't expect, you know, triple A production values or something, you're just happy, you know, that somebody makes a game like, yeah, I think, you know, there's just, just a lot of people who are just, happy enough that you're making games you know like like a sherlock holmes game or like uh all the warhammer games and stuff like that they don't expect triple a production values and i think uh yeah for for a lot of companies you know if if you're not ready to compete at that triple a level with the with the activisions and the a's and the ubisofts of this world then i really think that somebody like Foku is like a really really good uh you know model to look at because i think they're doing a, a stellar job of of finding their niches they're serving their niches they're being successful on you again like it's one of these things where like th- that weird binary thinking like if you produce a game and you sell enough copies of that game to you know rec- recoup all your costs and you're making enough money to be able to keep making games that is a success you know that is yeah, the that exactly. is the definition that is the baseline of a game being successful and i think that is something where a lot of people in this industry people in the community again gamers media um influencers they have this weird idea of you know you're only successful when you have 100 million players which is bullshit because you know, by by that by by the criteria that some people in the community have for success, there's like uh, five successful games every generation, and everything else must be a flop. And I hate that kind of thinking. And I yeah. love that you know, again, like a company like Fuku does a a good job uh, catering to niche. And um, uh, really, w- one of like the things that I find quite frustrating, both as somebody working in the industry but also as a gamer, is that we still have this weird expectation, uh, you know, as 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 a community. That for a game to be, you know, like a proper real game, it must have a retail version. It must cost sixty dollars. It's really one of my hopes for this next generation. You know, as as more stuff moves digital, as more stuff, you know, as we get this idea of platforms, you yeah. know, like like games being platforms, 
One of my big hopes is that we will have more variety in, in business models and in price points. And uh, Richard just mentioned uh, XCOM, was it called? Uh, Chimera Squad? Yeah. I think that's a perfect example. Like when I saw that, I was like, "Wow, it's coming out in two weeks. That's weird." It's like, "Oh, it's only ten dollars." You know, that's that's like a a fantastic example. And I really, I would absolutely love to see more companies try to do you know these kinds of like spin-offs or something or like experimental titles from the big franchises. Because again, like I think we have this weird, um, you may even go as far as calling it toxic mindset of like oh it's only a real proper game if it costs 60 dollars and if it has a retail version and i really don't like that and that is as i said like one of my big hopes that in the future we see more of that because for example i think like for foku most of their games they on steam like they're 40 to 50 euros yeah yes. i think it's rare for them to do something at 60 and you know, even like you know um and that's also worth mentioning, like that for a while, you know, they were the as i said like if, if you talk about you know that mid-tier that b-tier game like they come to mind but for example, last year with the Plague Tale, um, you know, they were competing at the top for a lot of awards. Yes. Uh, you know, and that is uh, that was I think it cost forty euros as well. Yeah, so roughly. It, like, it was not full price. So yeah, 40, you know, that yeah. that was for example like one of those mid-tier games that I have to say like if you look at it, I haven't played it myself yet. You know, I just looked you know, like a lot of trailers and stuff. That game absolutely looks fantastic. That game can compete with the production values and the looks of you know of some of the best games out there. But it was like a mid-price mid-price game. Um, with a topic that maybe you know, a lot of like triple A companies would have passed on, and I think that's fantastic. You know, like they they have huge success with that. They have critical success. They have financial success, and uh, yeah, that is I think something that a lot of smaller companies uh, could really emulate that that kind of approach. And again, like that variety of business models is something that I really hope we see more in price points because this whole idea of it must cost sixty, otherwise it's not a real game. And you just you know you see that from gamers, like we're we're like something being mid tier is almost used derogatorily. It's like, oh, it's not 60. Oh, it's not a real game. You know, it's it's it must be shitty somehow, or it must be like a very short game or something. Because we have this mindset: if it's not 60, it's not real, and that's weird. Yeah, hope they hope they tone that down yeah. as well. But you know, the only thing that's going to do that is more games. So yeah, more yeah. games. Yeah, I think especially when it comes to more games, I think what's also like very very healthy about that approach from Fuku or um, um, THQ Nordic is that. If you have a smaller budget, you're more willing to try something out. It's like do something different, do something crazy, have your idea, whatever. If you're a big, big, big blockbuster title, you usually try to to check all the boxes when it comes to okay, what is the expectation of the of the of the gamer nowadays? What what do we need? We need a crafting system, we need this, we need that, we need open world, etc. Yeah. But when you're a smaller game, you can just like, oh, we have this weird idea, let's do it. That's true. Because I mean if we fail, it won't break our neck. You're right. I mean, in a world where where there all are all those those uh, those bucket list features and things that you're supposed to have for for a big game, all we really need is Deadly Premonition Two, a blessing in disguise, I'm and uh, Black Widow skins. Shh, shh, Marcel, don't don't try to don't try to one up the, don't, the don't, Sweary. Don't don't, 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 yeah, don't don't try to don't try to take away from Sweary. I've met Sweary way before you did. I just want to say that for the record. I touched I'm him. I'm still jealous. I smelled his hair. I hate you guys. This is getting weird now. All right, bring it home then. What? Like your weirdness about Swery? I will not. No. I will not stand for this. I'm I respect a, that, man. I'm on a mission before you wrap it up. All right. I have, I have gone on a hunt and I have dragged Basti out of the fucking darkness so that he can finally answer our email writing question <laughs> to Basti. Oh, so you want to wrap up the topic already? Have you come to any conclusion? I, or, I did or, come like, to a your, your conclusion. Final, I feel like I came what to is your, Have you made your final statement to the jury? Yeah. Is the defendant guilty or not? Uh, Yeah. 
the defendant being triple a games or mid-tier games or no I, I like i said i think i think i think all games are going to be big keep an eye on 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 alternative ways to do this and try not to get locked into into mindsets where you think a certain thing has to be a certain way which is why no one can fucking identify what a triple a game is consistently and uh, why trying to codify tiers of game releases is ultimately an exercise in looking like a fucking genre dick that no one wants to talk to at a party. Okay, that was uh, that was touching. Perfect. <laughs> I hope you you will. I, I hope Maybe. that was enough to save uh, AAA gaming from you know the death sentence. Your your uh, impassioned yeah um, verdict. Sure. And Basti, you're still happy with uh, with um, with uh, that that you learned today that it's Foku? Yeah, it's brilliant, brilliant. Because every time I will like say that name to someone, um, I, I can't wait to see their faces when they think like, "What the fuck is wrong with this?" No, it's guy? fantastic. Now from now on, you can be the guy who corrects other people's mistakes. Isn't that what you want in life? Well, that, at least what I would want in life. Right. What's best in life? To crush that your sounds, enemies' opinions, I to mean, correct them in front of their women, like, a, like an old sketch from from a Simpsons episode. It's a fuku, a fuku. Oh. Uh, Yes. I just watched an episode last week. It was really it, like classic Simpsons. Really, really holds up. I have to say, it's really fucking good. Okay, Richard, uh, please uh, finally, because I've been waiting for two weeks myself. You always yeah. mention it was a letter from Asia, yeah. but I never got to hear it myself. So please, enlighten us. Uh, first of all, Basti, what the fuck? When when Asia writes in, you show up. All right. Uh, I don't want to. I don't want to see this happening again. Okay. Of course. I mean, it's easy. We just need more mails from Asia. Yeah, she can do this every. Asia, you want to do this every week? I'll fucking I'll read it. I've told you guys. If you write into projectilelunchcast at gmail .com, I will fucking read it on the air. Um, this one comes in from Asia. Thank you so much, Asia. Hello, PLC gents. Given the self isolation of the world population, how have the roles of community managers and the plans for community engagement changed, especially with so many delays? Also, what's the status of automate clash of dates? Wait, so 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 we have been for two weeks delaying answering the question about delays. Yeah, I mean, so I figured it was better. Yeah, I suddenly I appreciated that. Like yeah. that was well planned, Busty. <laughs> now answer the fucking oh, question. That that is that is seriously a fucking question. So I think when it, when it com when it comes to delays, that is always something which is obviously probably as rough for a community as it is for marketing because you have to 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 deal with that expectations um, all the time and you have scenarios where the community might be might be grateful even for that or you have scenarios where they get incredibly sour you have seen that very mix and match situations with the last of us as an example where you have diehard fans who are like yeah take the time but a lot of people get salty about that when it comes to to the current like lockdown situation i think for community to be honest it's not not much of a much of a change like of course you you miss out on events that is a problem for everyone but when it comes to dealing with that i think the lockdown gives you maybe even more ammunition and footage to work on social media or wherever to to um um get people um to 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 create content or to get people talking and depending on what game you work also we're living in a time with the lockdown where more and more people game i mean as sad as it is with the with the pandemic but um we see peaks in concurrent player numbers for a lot of many different games. So it is even more a situation where players come together, discuss more, and everything is more active. So this is good. Um, about uh, or okay, we, we need to do that Kickstarter campaign, guys. I where, told where do you. you think Matt has been all these months? 
He's doing extensive research. He is auto dating. I mean yeah. that too, but you know, for in order to do that, first you have to go on a date. Clash. That didn't feel forced at all, you know. You know, look, look, that is that it is not easy, right? Because we want to do it right. We want to have a Kickstarter campaign where we get millions of monies, but at the same time, we want to be on the Sony stage. Yeah. While selling us as indies. Yeah. But then you have the pandemic, which makes it even harder. So uh, maybe even a Nintendo Direct presence is I mean, better for us. We've been uh, trying we're, we're to. We're in talks. We're, 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 we've been trying to line up Andrew WK. Uh, he's a hard get. Um, we've been trying to get Troy Baker to voice all roles and also kind of date us for research. Yeah, well, That's... Kojima is trying to contact us and wasting our time. I know. I, I gotta, I gotta put Kojima on mute. Seriously. Wait, how would that work? So, 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 so Troy Baker would speak all the roles in in uh, in automate Clash of Dates. Our idea for a romantic auto chess game. Yeah. Yes. So yeah, he would essentially date himself, like because yeah. he speaks all roles. A hundred percent Troy Baker all the time and for research. No, no, he has right. to. He has to go on a date with each of us. All male characters are spoken by Troy Baker or female uh, characters Claudia by Black. Uh, Nolan North. I, Claudia Black. Oh. I could what? do. I could see Nolan North. I was kind of, you know, I was kind of set on Troy Baker just doing like a like a high pitched female voice. Um, I I'm not trying to pigeonhole Troy Baker. He's got the range, okay. And we're not just, you know, this is a clash of dates. So I really, I really want to see. I really want to see what he can do. I really. Want to see what he can do? Okay, good that this didn't turn weird at all. Yeah. Um, by the way, Richard, I've I've reached uh, received uh, recently a lot of community feedback. Oh, great! And it was almost unanimous uh-huh. in its demands for yeah. you to somehow, somewhere, elegantly, and not feeling forced, include the "Welcome Back" command voice line from Command and Conquer in an episode. Welcome back. I'm not. Welcome. I'm not sure. Are you sure? I'm ninety percent sure. Commander. I'm gonna have to see the receipts. Uh, on but this. like, I'm sure people will will be happily ask you yourself for for this voice line, and they can do so not only by sending us an email to projectilelunchcast at gmail.com, which uh, Richard, as you just saw, will hurt, will happily read out here and force Basti at almost gunpoint to answer. Mm-hmm. But you can also ask Richard directly on Twitter uh, via his usual, which I for somehow keep forgetting handle. What is it again? My, my bad. <sighs> okay, you had to bring that up. You know, it's been a rough week. Okay, first I got kicked off my OnlyFans. Uh, so I had to to rebrand, and now I hear I'm danger close to some fucking French developer. But as usual, you guys can find me on Twitter at fuck you home interactive. Um, in these in these trying times, uh, if you're worried about being too nice, let me be mean to someone. So just DM me on Twitter. I'll get dressed up in a tuxedo. I'll uh, I'll sip an espresso, and I'll tell them, you know, hey, fuck you, just for you. Is is that a promising like business case? Like, have you gotten a lot of investor interest in so your uh, telling Co- people "fuck you" for money? Kojima pitch? will not leave me alone about about the rights on this. Not bad. So, Basti, if people want to express their happiness and or uh, disappointment that you're back, how could they do that? They can just trash talk me at Bastian Thun, Thun on Twitter. Excellent. Um, uh, also, if you wanna, sorry. No, I think you're going to say the thing that I was going to prompt you to say, so say it. I thought Basti was say, still saying something, and then I interrupted him almost rudely. You'd never do that. 
okay, it seems we lost Basti, but that is okay. He he said he said his deal. Um, yeah, if you want to directly talk to any of us, you can do so via our Projector Lunchcast Discord, um, yeah. which already has some fantastic people yeah. on it. Uh, last week we played some uh, Sea of Thieves with a, with a few friends on there. Uh, had a great time. We were actually thinking maybe next time we're going to stream it to the Discord just for fun and giggles. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to join us on there, um, just you know shoot a a, a message twitter to either busty or myself not to richard because he's a commercial service provider he will always ask you for money so don't do that ask busty yeah, myself and invite to the discord we'll happily do that as for me you can do that on twitter at com underscore raven and uh yeah I, i'd say um that's it for today as always we hope you had a reasonably good time uh that you won't sue us hey um, hey marcel hey yes what is what is what does Todd Howard say when you go into his office and also when uh, Fallout 76 Wastelanders launches? The NPCs are here. I don't get that. I don't get the joke. <laughs> I, don't get, I don't get. I don't get. I don't get four chapters. <laughs> <I'm> sorry. <laughs> uh, that was that was weird. That was out of place. Anyway, um, yeah, we hope you had fun. We hope that you're back with us uh, next week. A rumor has it that there may be some interesting gaming news next week. At least that's what everybody in the press and message board says. So let's see about that. Maybe we're going to have some, you know, reactions to that. Uh, stay home. Stay safe. Um, Welcome back. We be old school. Yeah, old school. We be old school. Yeah, old school. Been getting that money for a girl, sweet as honey. Got me some roses and a little bling. I knocked on her door, she said, What you waiting for? I heard you was looking for a king.